Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Fill this place. Change our hearts, our thoughts, and our words. Flush through us, Lord, and dislodge anything that's not of you. Lord, I pray that you have your way. And right here is a room full of world changers. Right here is a people that God is calling to make a difference in the worlds around them. Anoint them, Lord. Fill them, Father, with your Holy Spirit. Let them walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. What is up, Elevate? We are beginning our new series tonight. It is called Word Changers. It's a play off the word world changers, because if we're going to change our world, we have to first change our words. I have a beautiful little girl. Her name is Nadia Elise. And she only has one word in her vocabulary, if you called it a word, and it's the word boop, B-O-O-P. She points at the milk and says boop. She points at the dog, boop. She sees me, boop. Everything is boop. There are three kinds of people in this world. There are the unbelievers, there are the carnal Christians, and there are the mature Christians. Unbelievers is self-explanatory. Carnal Christians are those who did the altar call thing. They said the prayer. They call Christianity their religion. But in every way that's definable, they're still trying to live and look like the world around them. They're still trying to live a style of flesh, of selfish things, of selfish desires, while saying that they're Christians. And finally, there is the mature Christian, the Christian that is pursuing Christ, that is growing daily, that is being chiseled away and changed to look more like Jesus. Maturity for a Christian is defined like this. A mature Christian is no longer controlled by their thoughts, emotions, and desires, but now controlled by the Holy Spirit. Did you follow me on that? No longer controlled by our thoughts, our emotions, and desires, or circumstances, but we're controlled now by the Holy Spirit. We don't live in the flesh anymore. We now live through the Spirit. Our words expose our maturity. Imagine our words as a movie screen that projects our thoughts and attitudes. Ooh, where would you fall on that scale of Christian maturity if you were to analyze the conversations that you've had the kind of things that we say, where would you fall? Where would you rate on that scale of maturity? Christians of many years that gave their hearts to Jesus in the altar call years and years ago. Oh, I've been a Christian 10 years, 15, 30 years. Many of them are still spiritual infants. And it's shown when they talk like spiritual babies. Many Christians are still walking around with a boop level of Christian maturity. Does anyone in here need to grow in Christian maturity? I'll put my hand up first. That way no one feels embarrassed. Me, I need to grow in Christian maturity. James says that if we could get our mouths under control, we would become perfect people. What a great place to start. Beginning with our words. 
he goes on to say that our mouths are like a rudder on a boat, that just a little tiny rudder can turn a huge boat. Maybe he's hinting that our words and our conversations can change the course of our very lives. He also says that our words are like a bit that you put in a horse's mouth, you know, like the reins. Ironically, a bit actually puts pressure on the horse's tongue. What is he trying to convey? Proverbs 18.21, this series is called Word Changers. It's a play on world changers, because if we're going to change the world, we need to begin with our... Oh, y'all are good. Y'all are good. If we're going to change the world around us, we need to begin with our words. Proverbs 18.21. Do we have that? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the... Can you get any more drastic than that? Talk about critical. What comes out of our mouth can bring death. What comes out of our mouth can bring life. And it's time, if we're going to grow into mature Christian believers, if we're going to forsake this sort of spiritual infancy, then we need to start speaking life, and we need to start shutting our mouth whenever we're tempted to start speaking death. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, Jesus kind of deals with this. Actually, he deals with it very straightforward. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You want to rate your Christian maturity? What's coming out of your mouth? Because if what's coming out of your mouth is bearing good fruit, then your heart is also reflected as good. And if what's coming out of your mouth is death, if it's vile, if it's crude, if it's harsh, if it's derogatory, then we need to do a heart check. You see, Jesus gave us a new heart. When we say, Jesus, take me, I'm yours, he gave us a new heart. We need to start acting, talking like it. We need to forsake what is evil and pursue what is righteous and good. Jesus actually turns to the people, golly, Jesus, what are you doing? You brooder, you bunch of snakes. How can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. What's in here comes out here. Where do you rank? What were your conversations like today at school? On the phone, what are you texting? What are you saying? Does it lift up? Does it put down? Is it full of righteousness and holiness? Is it pure and true and good? Maybe it's not. I tell you, on the day of judgment, this is scary, you ready? On the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless, senseless, useless, pointless, not constructive word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified or condemned. Yikes. This is Jesus talking. He's not pulling punches. He's trying to drive home something very, very serious because life and death are in the power of our tongue, in the power of our speech, life and death. So we will give an account for every idle, pointless, empty, non-constructive word. Whoa. Boy, the thousands of words I say every day, I've got way too many that are not building anybody up. I've got way too many that are not constructive, that are not full of truth or hopeful. 
Maybe you do too. May we be a people of God who speak on purpose and make every word count. There's power in our words. We live in a physical dimension. We're locked in, right? Till death do us depart. (laughs) The funny thing about life is no one gets out alive. (laughs) We're locked into a physical dimension. Father, our God, functions in a spiritual dimension. He crosses, I mean, he's, he's God. He does what he wants, right? What else is in the spiritual dimension? Our enemy. Ephesians 6, we do not fight against flesh and blood by powers in the heavenly places. Yikes. I'm convinced that the one thing that crosses over between the physical and the spiritual are our words. Think about it. Think about the power of words. What is salvation? When you believe in your heart and confess with your something changes in the spiritual realm. God used words to create. Our weapons which overcome the enemy are by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. We use God's word. It's called the sword of the spirit. And when Jesus returns, the image, am I still on? Yes. When Jesus returns, can you also hear me? The image that is painted in Revelation is that he comes riding on a white horse and what's coming out of his mouth? A two-edged sword. Why? Because it's talking about that he holds the words that are going to cut down the enemy and they're going to build up his people and bring freedom. Our words have a way of crossing. It's the only thing that we've got that crosses between here and there that have power there. Why? Because what is prayer? It's our words between us and God who is in a different realm than we understand. Our words are very, very powerful. Galatians 6, 7 through 9 says that we reap what we sow. I think I got the verse. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that means like you plant something, that's what you reap. Reap means that you gather the fruit from it. You plant grape seeds, you get grapes back. For one who sows to his own flesh, for whenever we sow, when we plant seeds into doing what we want to do into our selfishness, from the flesh, from that selfishness, we're going to reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. This also applies to our words. Our words are seeds. We're constantly planting the things that we talk about, the things that we say about ourselves, those things that we say about other people, the kind of words that we use. We are planting and planting and planting and planting, and we will give an account. And we're either going to reap the negative from what we say, or we're going to reap the positive, the spiritual, the truth from what we say. We have to be careful with our words. We are energized by positive words, and we are weakened by negative ones. It only takes one sentence to crush somebody. It may only take one sentence to build them up. A properly used, timely word is like honey to the soul. There's about seven different ways over the next three weeks that we're going to talk about that we can get in trouble with our words, that we can speak negatively and reap negative results. I want to talk about three of them tonight. The first one is self-depreciation. There are four categories of people that hear us talk. 
the people around us, God, our enemy, the devil, and ourselves. You're the first person that hears when you say something negative about yourself. And you know what? The odds are you're going to believe yourself more than you believe the people around you. For example, I can tell Jackie, you look great today. And if she feels like her hair looks stupid, it doesn't matter what I say. Oh, this shirt has baby spit up all over it. Or, or I have, haven't bought new pants in 30 years. Or, or I can't get my hair under control or whatever. Jackie, you in here somewhere? Are you like, yeah, she's probably nursing a kid. There's a good chance that you're going to believe what you say more than you believe what people say around you. I struggle with this. Someone will come to me and say, hey, thank you so much for what you're doing. You know, the teenagers are doing a great job. And in my mind, I'm going, well, here's the 13,000 things that I'm doing wrong. So thanks a lot, but yeah. There's a good chance that you're believing lies that are coming out of your own mouth as you cut yourself down. When we start cutting ourselves down, recognize two things. These are sort of scary. The first one is our God who loves us encouraging this or is our enemy encouraging this as we say things about ourselves that cut ourselves down? Who's getting happy whenever we say things like that? I just suck at this. I'm terrible. I'm no good. I'm always going to be lonely. I can't make that grade. I'll never not feel this way. I'm always depressed. Cutting ourselves down. Who's getting excited? Is it our father? Or is it our adversary when we talk like that? Now here's the scariest one. You ready? Number two. The second thing you need to realize when we're self-depreciating. Because we are speaking derogatory against God's workmanship. Hey God, you know the pinnacle of the very best that you've got? Ain't good enough. You must make junk. What you call good is not towing the line. I'm ugly, I'm stupid, I'm not good enough. And you know that salvation that you gave your son for? It's not working for me. It's not enough. We deny what he has spoken about us. We are denying him. We are arguing with his words when he says, I have made you more than a conqueror. I call you son. I call you daughter. I call you holy because I gave everything I had to make you holy. I don't make junk. That's our God. When he speaks that over you, how dare we get into his face and say he's wrong? We need to start seeking the scriptures about what he says about us and start speaking those things over our lives. Because when we speak negative, it tears us down. When we speak positive, it energizes us. The second thing is foolish talk. You may not consider this. This was kind of a new one for me. I am pulling most of this material out of a book by Joyce Meyer called Change Your Words, Change Your Life. I thought it was kind of a tacky title, so we're calling it Word Changers. Hey, that's my kid. Foolish talk. Think about how many times a day you say the word dead, sick, problems, stressed, depressed, fail, quit, hate. I'm always broke. Might as well kill myself. I suck, stupid, idiot, etc., 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 etc. These are seeds that we're planting constantly. 
planting seeds over ourselves, over the people that we're talking to, about over the situations that we're in, over and over and over again. How many times do you use the word hate in your day? How many times do you say, I'm just depressed? How many times do you say, I just can't? I'm not good enough. Planting seeds, planting seeds, planting seeds, and you're going to reap back every one of those if we're not very, very careful. I hate this class. The teacher just hates me. What if we actually turned it around and said, you know what? God's going to give me strength for anything that I need today. I can overcome anything with the power of the Holy Spirit in me. I am the head and not the tail. That's the God that we serve. That's what he's saying over us. And yet we are planting these seeds constantly. We need to start being careful about what comes out of our mouths. We need to start changing the way we think and the way we talk. Maybe we need to do a word fast. Maybe we need to pick a word or two out of our vocabulary and say, you know what, this one is stricken from the record today. I'm not going to use the word hopeless today. I'm not going to use the word beaten or defeated or suck or whatever. Maybe we need to do some word fasts. Foolish talk. We're energized by positive words and we're weakened by negative ones. Number three. I'm going to harp on this one because this one like grinds against me and it grinds on me even more when I catch myself and it's complaining. And I'll, you ready for this? Complaining is always destructive. Always, always, always destructive. There's never a time that complaining moves us forward, gives us a stronger, more positive attitude, draws us closer to the heart of God. Complaining is never ever constructive. It'll always tear down. If you're ever discussing a problem that you're having, and it's not with wise counsel, and you're not looking for a solution, you may want to double-check yourself. You're probably complaining. Wise counsel, seeking solutions. These are the reasons that we should be talking about things. I think so many times the root of our complaining is we're trying to endear sympathy, which is whoever will listen, just please pity me. There's something sort of gratifying about being pity and someone going, oh, that's so hard, man, wow. That, man, life's hard on you. And we're like, I know. <laughs> it's so hard. But you know what? Complaining is, don't miss this, complaining is always a lack of faith. Complaining is always a lack of faith, and it is always doubting God. You know, my mom used to say a doubting was a sin. I haven't found the verse, but I am not convinced that she was wrong. Think about it this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Trust in the Lord, lean not on your understanding. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God is standing by going, am I your father? Am I your provider? Am I too small? Do I not love you enough? Then how... Are these complaints in your mouth? Do I not see from the beginning to the end? Have I not equipped you for what you need right now? Maybe I'm too weak of a God, the creator of the universe. And every time we complain, we're saying, God, you're not enough. You're not going to be able to get me out of this situation. You haven't, you haven't done a good job with me. You must have this out of control. You must be out of control of the universe. You must not be sovereign. Paul had something figured out. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. 
And this is a guy who was beaten with rods. He was stoned almost to death multiple times. He was shipwrecked. He was thrown out of synagogues. He was betrayed by his own people and betrayed by the people he was trying to minister to. The guy had it tough. And he says this, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned, watch this, I have learned whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Hey, this is a famous verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We love to use that verse a little bit out of context. We're like running. We're like, oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I need Krispy Kreme. (laughs) We're like sitting at that test that we didn't study for. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But if we put this verse in context, what is Paul saying? He says, I can do all things. Here's the thing that I can do. I can find contentment no matter what my circumstance. If everybody is against me, I'm content. If my world is falling apart, if my health goes crazy, whatever is going on, I have learned to be content in anything because why? Because if I have Christ on my side, I can do it. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about contentment. And every time we open our mouth with complaints, we are saying, God, you're not good enough. Christ's power is not enough. I'm discontent, Lord, with what you've given me. This is directly out of the book. Remember, we are all winners until we're whiners. Because we're a son and daughter of the king. He's already claimed victory. But as soon as we start whining... We block our ability to grow. We block our ability for him to work in our lives because we're so busy going, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's going, come on, come on. Oh, you want to hear another story about Nadia? Oh, this poor girl. For some reason, she was climbing on the slide at our house and she ended up with her feet on the ground face first in the slide and she was off balance. Like she couldn't go forward, but she couldn't get her balance to go backwards. And I'm sitting over there going, Nadia, you got this. Just just squat back down. Tilt yourself off to the side. You can do it. And she's just crying into the slide. Drool and snot and crying. I wonder how many times we're like that with the Lord. The Lord's going, you got this. I've given you what you need. Follow my voice. Reach out for my hand. And we're just going, I can't move. That's, that's complaining. How often does this happen? When something gets really hard, when we get offended or we have a problem, someone hurts our feelings, how often do we just want to vomit out our feelings on anyone who will listen? You happen to be sitting next to me. Let me tell you my life story and why it all sucks. Let me tell you about my last two days. They were horrible. So we just blah, and we make lists of all our woes, and here's all the things that have gone wrong, and blah, blah, blah. It was just vomit. Oh, and there's somebody else to listen to me and blah, we do it all over again. Right? How many times do we do that? Remember this definition of spiritual maturity? We're not controlled by our thoughts, our emotions, our feelings, our circumstances. It's a definition of spiritual maturity. If we catch ourselves doing the vomit thing on anyone that'll listen, something needs to go off in our heads. 
It takes great self-control not to speak repetitively in what we consider to be a negative situation. The mouth wants to give expression to the soul and the deepest feelings. If we want to keep the problem we have, we need to just keep talking about it. If we want to start getting out of our problems, we need to start talking solutions. We need to start changing our attitudes about things. We need to start pulling back to what God says about us and seeking Him about our problems. We need to go deeper than our feelings. We need to think and speak out of the spirit that lives inside of us. We are energized by positive words, and we are weakened by negative ones. So here you go. You ready? Let's flip the script. Those are the things that get our mouths in trouble. Now what do we do? We speak scripture. What comes out of our mouth is a result of what's in our thoughts. If we're going to transform what comes out of our mouth, then we begin with what's inside what's in our heads and in our hearts. So we need to first surrender to the Lord. Remember Isaiah? Remember he had that vision of heaven? He falls on his face, right? And what does he say? I am a man of unclean lips. And I am of a nation of unclean lips. And so an angel goes and takes a coal, remember that, a burning hot ember, and brings it over and touches his mouth with it to purify his mouth. It's amazing how much emphasis God puts on our mouths and what we say. We need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I am a woman. I'm a man of unclean lips. Please come. Hit reset on my mouth. Hit reset on my thoughts. Hit reset on my hearts, on my heart. We have any more than one? Any Dr. Who's in here? Second Corinthians 10.5 says, that we cast out every ungodly thought. Did you know that you have control over your thoughts? Like, we get away with our dreams. Like our dreams, we don't really seem to have any control over, right? We wake up and we go, what was that? <laughs> but you actually have power over what you think. Whenever something comes into your head, you can choose to either block, you can swipe left or right of the thoughts that come into your head. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says that we cast down every thought that doesn't please the Lord. As stuff starts coming into our head, we need to start filtering this stuff out. Nope, that is not according to God's word. That is not positive. That is not uplifting. It's not true. It's not holy. It's not who I am. Out. Galatians 5 says that we live either through the flesh, doing what the flesh wants to do, our inclinations, our our emotions, whatever we feel like doing, but once we give our lives to the Lord, His Holy Spirit comes in us and we start living through the Spirit. And we, we deny, we move away and rebuke all that fleshly stuff. And we start living out of the Holy Spirit, this selflessness, hope, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Did I forget one? Faithfulness. I think we're good. I promise you, with our Spirit-given ability to choose our thoughts and words our lives, both physical and spiritual, can be transformed. But we need to begin replacing our thoughts with something else. We can't just like take a vow of silence and take a vow of meditative blankness in our brain. We need to start replacing what we speak and what we would have said with something else. And I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to just live on some sort of, I'm just going to talk good. We're going to have to replace it with the truth of God's word right here. If you want to start speaking over yourself what God says, we need to pour ourselves 
into the God's word and pour it back into us and start going through Proverbs and through the Psalms and through all the different um, letters of Paul and what Jesus says and say, what is what does the Bible say about me? And start speaking those over me. And whenever we're in conversation with somebody else, we can start knowing what truth is because this is what's in our heads and our hearts. We start saturating and marinating in God's word. And then we can start leaning on God's promises. It was through God's words that he created this world. It's with his words that we're supposed to navigate life. And it's through his words that we came to know him through salvation. So what do we say about our circumstances? We say what God says about our circumstances. What do we say about ourselves? We say what God says about ourselves. What do we say about our sufferings and our past and our guilt, our future, our enemies, our families, our hope? We say what God says about them. If we want to be who God wants us to be and have what God wants us to have, we need to start saying what God says. read an excerpt from the book. If you want to be miserable and perhaps never reach your goals, you can start saying things like this. I don't understand why this is happening. Where is God? I can't take this anymore. I hate this. I'm giving up. This is just too hard. God, you just don't love me. I'm confused. I try to do what's right and look what the mess that I'm in. Nothing ever works out right for me. I'm always sick. I'm always tired. I'm always in trouble. But if you want to begin making some spiritual changes, if you want to start doing some serious spiritual battle in the spiritual realms, you can start saying things like this. God is my strength. I can do whatever I need to do in my life through Christ. God never allows more to come on us than what we can bear, but for every temptation, but he always provides a way out. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God is faithful. He loves me. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. God is not surprised by this storm because he knows all things from beginning to end. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus who strengthens me. I have already defeated the agents of the Antichrist because he is greater that is in me than he is in the world. I am growing spiritually during this storm. I will not fear for God is with me. God's timing is perfect and this storm will end right on time taking control of our words doesn't mean we don't have problems or sufferings. You can read Ecclesiastes. But maintaining a good confession always changes who we are in the problems. And that's worth fighting for. Speaking negatively could hurt you, but speaking positively will never hurt you. Psalm 19, 14. Here's a great place to begin. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What do we think about? What do we talk about? Philippians 4, 6 through 8. This is worth memorizing. Take a screenshot. Take a picture with your phone. Do not be anxious about anything. Anybody want to lose your anxiousness? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace, I could use some peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, are you ready for the answer? Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about those things. And what's in our heads is going to flow out of our mouths. You have a problem with profanity? Maybe it's because you spend way too much time listening to profanity. You 
start spending way too much time in the Word of God, and you bet, you know, it's going to start coming out of your mouth. The Word of God. Marinate in it. It's time we stop speaking death. And we become word changers that we start speaking life into every situation. May we speak on purpose and make every word count. There's no room for any more spiritual boop Christians. It's time that we start maturing. Lord, let our mouths be an altar and the words that we put on it be sweet incense to you. Amen.